Well, does anybody remember where we left off last? It's been a minute, hasn't it? Um, we were in Genesis 22. And uh, we, we had gotten through verse 14. What I'm going to do, I'll, I'll read the first 14 verses just to refresh our memories because this has been over a month um, since we've been in Genesis. Um, so Genesis 22 says this, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come to you again. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took it in his, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they, both, so they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And so that's, that's what we, where we last left off. Um, kind of a dramatic moment in the history of mankind really, um, but definitely in the life of Abraham and the life of Isaac, right? Um, I suspect especially in the life of Isaac, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's crazy. I yeah. can't imagine going through that. But then knowing that what his dad said, the Lord will provide. Yeah. As you read that, for the first time I heard the faith that Abraham had to have had yeah. to the servants stay here, we're going to go worship we'll be back mm. it's almost like supernaturally Abraham knew 
Yeah, and that's that's what we read in Hebrews, right? Yeah. That yeah, he exactly. he believed that God was able to raise the dead, mm-hmm. and so Abraham didn't know exactly how it would work out, um, but he was willing to go through with the sacrifice, believing that God could even raise the dead. Yeah. Um, and and why did he know that God, if he if he did sacrifice his son, that God would raise him from the dead? Because there was a promise through that boy. Promise was through there Isaac. Be seed. Yeah. Nations, kings. Yep. Yeah. 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 And so the promise comes through Isaac. And so Abraham had to have known this can't end the way I think it's going to end. Um, God's got to do something. Um, yeah. And what a faith I opened that would have been for Isaac. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. I don't know how, how old Isaac is here. Um, it's disputed. But he, he was probably at least a teenager, if not older. Um, and so how Abraham even gets him on that altar and bound him, you know, as an old man, you know, you just don't do that to a young lad. <laughs> So there, there had to be a willingness on Isaac's part as well. I suspect, you know, the, the phrase that comes to me is, Isaac was along for the ride. He was along for the, well, what's next? You know, if he was old enough to say, where's the, where's the lamb for the, or where's the offering coming from? Mm-hmm. We got everything else. So he knew that there was going to be something yeah. to, to be burnt. Yeah. But I, I suspect there was a somewhat of a willingness in him just to be obedient. Mm-hmm. Supernaturally. Yeah. He had great faith as well. Yeah. Yeah. Isaac was a man of great faith. Yeah. Or he knocked him out. Or he knocked him out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe he hit him over the head. We don't really know. Yeah. 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 Okay. Carry the wood over there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's continue further. Let's look at verses um, fifteen through nineteen. It says this, and an angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said. By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham lived at Beersheba. All right, so here we see God speaking to Abraham once again, right? Um, It says that he he came to Abraham a second time. Um, And so I'm assuming the first time was when he prevented the knife from coming down. Um, 
And it's, it's interesting when, when you think of God speaking to someone, what does that indicate to us? That he does it. That he does it. That he actually does it. Yeah. There's something extremely important about to be proclaimed. There's something extremely important about to be proclaimed, right? Um, we got to remember, Abraham doesn't have the Bible, right? <laughs> um, God's word has yet to be written. Um, you know, I, I think some some believe the earliest book that was written in Scripture is the book of Job. Um, but would he have been a contemporary of Abraham's time? Maybe. Um, but we're not sure if Abraham had any writing from God. And so the way that God communicated to man at this time was through revelation like this, through through his own speech. Um, and so, yeah, something important is being communicated. Um, what What is it that God's communicating to him? What I wrote in my margin was, here it is. When we completely rely on and trust the Lord God Almighty, we are able to taste his full provisions for our everyday need. Mm-hmm. And that complete reliance on what the Lord was doing in his life there was a surrender, and now comes what you said this morning in prayer. You know, He's the vine, we're the branches. Hmm. Apart from me, you can do nothing but in me. Wow. Yeah. It all opens up. There are provisions and there are promises, and there's an anchor. Yeah. I will surely bless you and will surely multiply. That surely yeah. business is. Yeah. You have a beginning. He says, I swear by my own name. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that. What does that mean? There's nothing greater that you can make a promise on. Yeah. Yeah, he, he can't swear upon the Bible, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's his own word, you know. Um, and so when we make an oath, when we make swear an oath, we swear on something greater than ourselves, right? Um, God cannot swear on anything greater than himself, because there is nothing greater than himself. And so he swears by himself. Um, yeah, and, and so by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this, and have not withheld your son, your only son. There, we're, there we get that term again, your only son. Um, and we know this is not his only son. But remember, Ishmael was cast out. Um, and so he was not a part of the, the promise. He was not a part of the inheritance. Um, and so in a sense, Isaac was his only son. Um, and so he... he you know, this is the heir, this is a promise, and Abraham was willing to sacrifice that for God. Um, and so because he was willing to do this, 
you know, I will surely bless you. Let's, yeah, go ahead. It's as though there was this bank account that God had deposited all of these riches into, and he's assuring Abraham he could draw on these promises for the rest of his life. Yeah. Cash the check. Mm -hmm. The funds are there. Yeah. Now, have we seen these promises before? We have, right? I mean, Genesis 13, if you turn back there. Let's start in verse 14. Here, here God's speaking to Abraham once again. Um, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. Um, and so we, we've seen similar language before. We've seen these promises before. Um, and now God is saying again, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. Um, and why does God keep repeating this to him? <laughs> he needs to. He needs to hear it. He needs to hear it. You know, there's a reiteration and don't forget and hold on. Is this going to happen? Yeah. For us. Mm-hmm. For us, yeah. Think about the situation that Abraham was just in. Mm-hmm. Why is it good for God to repeat these promises to him right after that? Reinforces how important obedience is. And obedience stems from what? Faith. Faith, right? Um, yeah. If you go to the book of James, uh, James talks about this. swiftly for me. So James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? 
If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says, and one of you says to them, "Go in peace, be warmed and filled," without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Um, and so there is there is this interconnectedness between our faith and our works. Um, and, and this is what we see in Abraham, right? Uh, Paul tells us that Abraham was counted righteous because of his faith. Um, yet we also read in, in Genesis 22, get back there, um, you know, uh, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And so there's this aspect of obedience there as well. Um, and so James tells us rightly that faith without works is dead. Um, and here we see the faith of Abraham in full demonstration with his willingness to sacrifice his own son, his only son, right? Um, and so this, what we have here is, is a demonstration of great faith shown in the obedience of Abraham. Does that make sense? And also the faithfulness of God in the process that's that's just it. To have great faith, you got to trust God, right? Mm -hmm. and, then, um, and there we are in verse 18, that the, your offspring shall, that through his offspring shall all nations. Yeah. Yeah. And here we are centuries later. Yeah. Amazing. It is amazing. He is a God of his word. Praise his name. Mm -hmm. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Yeah. That's why he can swear by himself. Yeah. No more Yeah. Yeah, and so when, when you kind of tie this all together, what, what you see going on here, God is coming to Abraham again. He's speaking to him again in order to kind of undergird the faith that he's already demonstrated. You know, you trusted in me. Listen, this is going to happen. You forces it. Yeah. Yeah. And you, my, my promises are sure. Um, and, and so, you know, it, Abraham had been promised this years ago. Um, and now God is coming to him, to him again, reinforcing these promises. Um, one, one other thing I see in here that I think is interesting to talk about. Uh, in verse 17, it says, And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. What is that all about? God wins. God wins. But not just God. We do. His offspring, right? Yeah, the offspring will possess the gate of his enemies. 
What does it mean to possess the gate of your enemies? You have the gate, you have the whole thing. Yeah. It's to be in control. Yeah, we you take the gate. Yeah. You win the prize, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, you gotta. Th- you can't think modern day warfare, right? <laughs> you gotta think ancient warfare and how cities were defended. There were huge walls, and there was a city gate, right? Been, I'm sorry. I've Go. been watching documentaries about how castles came about, mm-hmm. and and all that entailed the fortification of a town or yeah. of a family. Yep. And if the enemy could take the gate or scale the wall, yeah. it was all over. Well, Jesus, when he was standing at what they called the gates of hell, mm-hmm. Mount Hermon, said the gates of hell will not prevail against my kingdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so this is a foreshadow for us as well of Christ, isn't it? Um, uh, another story that we get is comes to us from the book of Judges. If you turn to Judges 16. Oh, my, my Bible is not being cooperative this morning. It doesn't like to... Turn to the page I want. (laughs) All right, so Judges 16, starting in verse 1, it says, Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute, and he went into her. The The Gazites were told, Samson has come here, and they surrounded the place and set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. They kept quiet all night, saying, Let us wait till the light of the morning, then we will kill him. But Samson lay till midnight, and at midnight he arose and took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and pulled them up, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that is in front of Hebron. Now, Not that I'm approving of what Samuel or Samson was doing with the prostitute, but what we see here is one fulfillment to the promise of Abraham through his offspring, through Samson, right? Um, The you know here he is in one of the cities of his enemies. a city that was probably fortified, a city that had uh, a huge gate that would have been closed at night, that if any enemies would attack, would have been, would have been barred. Um, and what does he do? He, he rips it apart. He, he rips it all the way out. Um, the posts as well. Uh, these things were not light. No. <laughs> um, it, you know, it, it's said that these gates could probably weigh four, 
400, 500 pounds, okay. if not more. Um, and the posts would have been... And then the posts would have been ground. down in the ground. Yeah. And he just rips them up and then carries it to the top of a hill in Hebron. Yeah. I mean, these are feats that a normal man cannot do, right? Um, and so this is a supernatural thing that's going on here uh, with Samson. Uh, but it, it's, it's kind of a demonstration to us, you know, suddenly this city is unprotected, right? And so the city of their enemy has no way to defend itself now. Um, and, and that's what's going on there. Uh, and it, you know, you, you pointed to the words of Jesus, right? Um, Jesus says that the gates of hell... That, that my church, the, the gates of hell will not withstand. Um, yeah, and so, you know, when I was younger, when I first heard that verse, I always thought it in the, the opposite. I don't know why I thought of, thought of it in the opposite, that, oh, you know, the enemies that are attacking me, you know, the, the gates will hold them back or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's the opposite. We are the attacker and we are storming the gates of hell and busting it wide open just like Samson did Um, and this is the promise that God had given to Abraham all those years ago this account of Samson is like now hear this you know be aware now yeah. Take stock in this. Yeah. Yeah. What I find interesting, you know, if you if you go through the book of Judges, and this is just kind of an, an aside, what what I find interesting about it is as you progress through Judges, and Samson's like the last judge that we see in the book, um, you see kind of this moral decline in society, in Israel. Um, And each judge, there's kind of a demonstration of the weakness of men and the strength of God. And and so you think of Gideon, right? What what was Gideon's problem? You guys remember? He didn't think much of himself, for one thing. He didn't think much of himself. No, he didn't think much of God either. He didn't trust God. he was kind of a coward, yeah. right? I'm the least of my clan, the le- and my clan's the least of my people. Yeah. Um, and what does God call Gideon? Mighty man of valor. Yeah, yeah mighty man of valor. You know, <laughs> that's not who he was. That's who God called him, and so that's who he became. Um, and, and so throughout Judges, we see kind of... God using these different people, you know, in one one account, you know, because the men wouldn't step up, he had to use a woman. Yeah. Right? Deborah. Yeah. Yep, Deborah. And, you know, and then in Samson, we have this guy who's just, man, he just doesn't seem to care about God at all. No. Right? Um, or so it seems, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
And yet God was able to use him to destroy more enemies than any of the other judges before. Um, and it's, it's kind of crazy. And it's like through one man, too. Like, and the other stories with the judges, usually there's armies, there's battles, right? But with Samson, it's like one man. Um, and so what you're seeing as you go through judges is just God saying, I can do this on my own. I don't need your help. I can rescue you. And this all stems from here, stems from the promise to Abraham. God is the one who rescues us. God just rescued Isaac, right? Um, What's amazing is he doesn't need us, but he desires us to be part of the work. Yeah. And he uses us in spite of ourselves yeah. to be part of the work. Yeah. It is of his mercies that are new every morning that we're not consumed, really. Yeah. Yeah. So we have this promise. We, we have verse 18, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And again, uh, I think, Lorraine, you, you mentioned that. That is amazing that yeah. here we are thousands of years later. Um, we're reading the story of Abraham and Isaac. And the only reason we are is because of this blessing to all nations. And then after that, verse 19, we see where does Abraham go after God speaks to him? Yeah, and so he returns to the young men. Remember how he told the young men, we will return to you, and they did. Um, and then they go back to Beersheba, back home, right? Do you think Abraham had peace when he left home? Do you think he had peace when he returned home? Peace and joy, I guess. Peace and joy, yeah. And a lot of faith. Yeah. This is what God does for us, isn't it? He takes us through our turmoil. He takes us through our strife. And then he brings us home. To a peaceful land. He doesn't waste anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts or questions on this? Yeah, go ahead. I just want to make sure I'm not looking at this the wrong way and I'm reading something into it that isn't there. But looking at it from, obviously this is a confirmation of God's promises to Abraham. Mm -hmm. If, if Abraham had not been faithful. Um, does this say anything about the, would the promises? I mean, the way that the angel speaks, it says that you know because you've been faithful, yeah, the, the promises came through. Does it say anything about the opposite? The, I think the the issue that you're coming across is you're you're coming at this from man's point of view, mm. and not God's point of view. Okay. Um, well, what did what did uh, Mordecai tell Esther? Raise up somebody else. Yeah, he'll raise up somebody else. Um, but I, 
with, with the case of Abraham, the promise had been given already um, through Isaac. But I believe that's because God already knew the outcome. Um, and, and so the, the question of if Abraham did this, well, God isn't dealing with ifs. Um, he, he knows Abraham's heart. He, he knows how Abraham will trust him even at the point of sacrificing his own son. Um, and he knew his own promises. God knows his own word. Yeah. And it was given to Abraham that there was yeah. going to be blessings for nations. And so it was a given if he just needed Abraham to get on board, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is all for Abraham's sake. And Isaac's. Isaac's, yeah, yeah, and ours. Mm -hmm. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing from the word of God. Yeah, it's a good question, though. Any other thoughts or questions on this? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for uh, your word. We thank you for the journey that you took Abraham and Isaac through uh, and the promises that you are faithful to deliver upon. Um, Lord, I, I even think about just the promise in here that the offspring of Abraham will possess the gate of his enemies and how we are Abraham's offspring. And that's the promise to us that we will possess the gate of our enemies. Um, Lord, help us to believe that and trust in you, knowing that you are the one who is capable of the victory and that for some reason you choose to use us in that victory. And so we thank you for that. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.